Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. That's an update, probably. It's it's always an update, isn't it? It's the universal tech support download update thing, maybe. I mm. don't know, do I? Is that, is that the link you're directing me to? That would be my first port of uh, of call. Where I the private detective? Yes, Anthony. Okay, I could see you actually as a detective, as a what bit of a, a... <laughs> what? What were they called? Gumshoe was it? Yeah, in a grubby raincoat, sniffing about. Well, I can see you in a grubby raincoat sniffing about anyway. But in this instance, you're a detective. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that might be the loveliest thing you've ever said of me. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to the instance when somebody's reading out the charges. <laughs> I've got a pink raincoat. Have you I got a pink raincoat? A... Yeah, Freddie Bilkvist gave me it. Uh, it's a sort of Greta Thunberg raincoat with hood. Um, it's Swedish and it's pink. And Freddie gave me it in Malmo and said, I saw this and thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I wore it for the show. Which was a mistake because it doesn't really breathe with it being a raincoat, and uh, I was wet through on the inside um, when I came off stage. I'm not doing that again. No, um, nobody wants to be internally moist. You, no, I was way beyond moist. Um, Were you dripping? I, I was sodden. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely was. <laughs> I I actually think if somebody presented me with a pink raincoat and said I saw this and thought of you, that might be the most loveliest thing, the most perfect moment in my well, life. That, well, that's nice. That's nice. I did used to have a pink, uh, like dusky pink, to be fair. I mean, not pink, but pink um, duffel coat, a Paul Smith one which I bought in a shop in Windsor years ago, and I used to wander about in that. And I wonder if Freddie's seen me in that way back in the way back, because he's known me a long time. And he might have seen this pink duffel coat on eBay, and th- not duffel coat, raincoat, and thought, that's got H written all over it. Mm. But that's what he said anyway, and he bought it me. So I, I'm wondering if that's the reason, or whether he just thinks I'm the kind of cat who would like a pink raincoat anyway. Both are perfectly acceptable, aren't they? Well, they're both true. Yeah, Mm. they're both true. So I've got that hanging up downstairs. In fact, on the last school day that vibes, you know, last school day before half term, they're allowed to go in without their uniforms on. Vibes wore it. Just to to see what the reaction would be as he climbed onto the school bus. So that shows how much balls he's got, bless him, because he's 15 years old and climbing onto a school bus Mm. in a pink raincoat when you're 15 Mm. says a lot about the chip off the old block that you're probably going to be. Mm. I think so. Was he not a little short? Bearing in mind he's about 19 foot four and you're not. (laughs) 
Yeah, that probably added to the general <laughs> general bizarreness of the outfit. A pink raincoat and then six inches of wrist. It was probably more of a jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I. I didn't notice the wrist, but I was very proud of him. Mm. Well, where do we stand with Wellington boots and pink raincoats? Because I. Because I think of Wellington boots going with a yellow raincoat. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I hate Wellington boots with a vengeance. And I don't own a pair, and that's caused trouble because we went on a very long dog walk on Sunday, and, of course, it's been raining like there's no tomorrow in England, doesn't it? Well, everywhere, just about, except the Sahara Desert. It was even raining in Madrid when I was there, and that's in the middle of a desert. But um, we went on a long dog walk, and so Lynetta declared it would be madness to, to go in anything other than wellies. And I don't own a pair of wellies because I hate the bloody things. Um, and that red hatred really came from the kind of wellies your mum used to buy you in the in the late oh, 60s. Oh, me and Navy store. Early 70s, yeah, which never really fitted. Slopped about, sent your socks all the way down to your toes within mm. four paces, mm. which I used to I used to hate that feeling of me all my socks rucked up inside me wellies. Um so anyway, I don't own a pair of wellies on principle because I'm I'm against them, frankly. Um but I had to have a pair. So I wore a pair of vibes because, you know, some of some of the things he's grown out of because he's now got feet the size of my arms. Um and so his wellies just take up an entire room these days. But he's got an old pair of wellies that sort of fit me. So I went on a long dog walk in them. And after the first four miles, I discovered that they didn't actually fit me. And um, I was experiencing extreme pain in my toes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been relearning to walk for the last couple of days. Ah. Hang on a minute. I seem to recall you have a Wellington stand at your door. I'm sure I've been to your house and there's been wellies outside the door. Yeah, they would have been Lynetta's because she right. does a lot of the, you know, outward pounding around. And I don't really. I'm not outdoorsy. I'm not outdoorsy. I'm I'm cocktail barry. Right. But I'm not very outdoorsy. Um, I do live in a village, but I don't really, you know, Go out in it much. I'm I'm all right on the village green, mainly because well, someone provided you've used... not got a cricket bat in your hand. <laughs> provided I've not got a cricket bat in my hand, <laughs> some there's always a good chance someone will stick a glass in your hand as you walk across our <laughs> village green. So I'm all right on there. Is that everybody, um, or is it just you? <laughs> I think it's sort of everybody, to be oh, fair. Right. Except that I'm, I'm probably more likely to accept it <laughs> than a lot of people. Hell yes, C- certainly before noon. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> so I wondered if the Lynetta, did Lynetta's wellies taunt you then from the front door when you go past, or are you are you oblivious to it? Am I taunted by them? Uh, no, they're not in the front. They're they're sort of out in the back and. Uh, they taunt me a bit if they get left outside because she often leaves them out outside and thinks, I'll go out and bring those in in a minute. Right. And then they stay there for days and they're, then they're full of water if it rains. Um, that taunts me a bit. But, you know, 
being the kind of person I am, I don't bring them in on principle because she left them out there. Well, they're not your wellies. Exactly. And mm-hmm. sometimes you've just got to be like that. Or you make a rod for your own back going forward. You have to put your welly down with a firm hand. Does that sounds a bit mean, that, doesn't it? <laughs> well, now the other reason I leave her wellies outside isn't just because I'm mean. It's because if I bring them in, they're all covered in mud. She'll probably tell me off. Yeah. And go, why have you brought those in? They're covered in mud. Yeah. I when I specifically away. left them outside. When I left them outside so I could bring them in later. When they've magically become clean. <laughs> uh, which you, you, you don't understand, Stephen, for the pH. You just when don't the, understand those things. When my Wellingtons have healed from the mud, <laughs> I'll bring them in. But until then, leave them alone. So I don't know. But I'd, um, th- that's the only sense in which the Wellingtons taunt me. Right. Uh, I just don't like them. You know, if we'd got to skip outside the house, Tommy Cooper joke, um, you know that one, don't you? Um, I don't actually, but I, I'm, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to give you the opportunity to do it even if I do, but I don't actually as, as it goes. He said, I've, he said, we're doing a bit of building work. So I, I, phoned a local, uh, I phoned a local building company. I said, can I have a skip outside my house? And they said, yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> Yes. Um, as soon as you started, I knew where it was going. <laughs> so, but if I'd got a skip outside my house, and God knows I have had a few, because when we did the work on the house, we filled 20 uh, at, what were they, three or 400 quid a pop. Yeah. So I spent yeah. thousands, thousands, of, on thousands of pounds throwing stuff out, yeah. um, which might explain why the house is so cluttered these days. I'm a bit bit too tight um but we could do with another skip and if we had one i'd probably throw the wellies in it on principle but but that would just cause domestic strife right okay i think that's a lovely a lovely start to this week's episode <laughs> i don't know how we got there i still haven't told you what color wellies i'd have with my pink raincoat oh go on then yes because i've hung on to that question and despite all of this you did very well actually because i'd let it go completely yeah, well, I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Oh, oh please, you brought us back then. <laughs> I right. think yellow waders, I think, would probably be the way forward, you know. Right. Or one of those over, one of those all-over wading things that looks like a, uh, you know, that goes over your shoulder. Oh, yes, yes. That trawlermen the, wear. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. if you add that on under your raincoat, You'd be very dry, except for the fact that you'd be very wet because you'd sweat buckets inside it all. We'd be back to that internal moisture again, wouldn't you'd we? You'd be achieving nothing. You might as well just go in your speedos. And and back to the opportunity for chafing. That oh. could all end very badly. If you're four miles out and you've got to go four miles back and you're feeling a bit of chafe, that's not going to be comfortable, mm. is it? No, siree. No. You'd need that product that you that you remembered before that I can't f- remember again. Now. Pseudocreme. Pseudocreme. I'm actually going to explore whether I can get you a personalised tub of pseudocreme for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to nickname Tim, wasn't it, Tim Pseudocreme? <laughs> or Pseudocreme Sidwell. <laughs> <laughs> Creme Sidwell. I got that, actually. 
<laughs> Graham Sidwell. Um, Tim went down very well, didn't he? He did go down well, and, and rightly so. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the people, a lot of the listeners there had probably admired his, his live movies and seen his work and perhaps perhaps were felt a little privileged to be listening from him. Um, mm? Listening from him? Can you say that? Hearing from him. That's it. Listening to him. Hearing from listening him. Listening to him, Steve. Hearing from him. Hearing from him. Listening to him. There we are. I'll write that on the wall. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, do it in crayon. <laughs> shall, we, shall we start? Oh, we shit, haven't we about Spain. <laughs> Well, we've started and all this is staying in, but shall, we, shall I do the, shall I do oh, the yes. what's yeah, it, yeah, the announcement? I'll hold me press. Right, okay. Hello and welcome to chapter 184 of the Corona Diaries. Good morning. You didn't hold your breath though, did you? I'm just going to tell the listeners now. You you made no effort to hold your breath. You just you just went around and went, oh, can't be I haven't, can't be asked this morning. I haven't got they the don't strength know. today, Anthony, to hold my breath. It's the last week of rehearsals. I've been screaming my head off now for what feels like several weeks. Seven-day weeks, actually, because last weekend I was in wherever it was, Spain, screaming me head off, and then came back to England and carried on, carried on screaming. <laughs> carried on screaming. Great film. <laughs> oh, suck it. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, well, a bit shagged out after a very long squawk and uh, looking forward to a day off on Friday, which I'll probably spend packing. Yes, because it all starts again, doesn't it? Yeah, we fly on Saturday to Basel, meet up with Charlie. All right, each get on the bus, lad, um, and drive to Strasbourg for the first show at La Laiterie, which we've played mm-hmm. many times before. And I do hope they've painted the dressing room. Well, they've got a week now. <laughs> Should we send them an advanced edit of this? Yeah. So they can get their shit together. They don't even have to paint all of it. They just need to, you know, cover the ejaculating penises up, which which, which do depress me in no time at all. Right. Were you not one who scrawled penises in other people's oh, jotters when you were... Oh, God, no. No. no I, I, didn't. I never did I that. would write King Dennis and misspell it. Because I, I, I didn't know how to spell Dennis Law. He only had one N. Uh, right, yes, he did. And so I'd spell it with two and then be appalled and embarrassed. That was about as adventurous as my, um, you know, jottings got. Um, it wasn't until much later life that I progressed to flowers and sticks of dynamite. I think I was... 45 before I got that together. Mm. So, birthday cakes. So is it, yeah, oh, yeah, birthday cakes. So, but, but as a child, I was, I was utterly, well, I still am utterly hopeless, but that's part, I'd like to think that's part of its charm. Mm. Well, you've, you've developed it and turned it into an art form, haven't you? Well, I've turned it into something that I do. Well, you might be stretching it, calling it an art form. <laughs> I'm feeling benevolent this morning. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Anthony. I think you owed me if... that though, after what you said about me looking like a private detective. <laughs> still, I still think. No, I, I imagined you as a private detective. That was, that was. I, I quite like that you, Chandler-esque. You like a bit of Chandler, don't you? <laughs> oh, he's just died, hasn't he? Oh, is he? Oh no, not Chandler. Oh, um, he's the one from Friends. He's just died, hasn't he? You're thinking of a private detective called Chandler, aren't you? 
I'm thinking of Raymond Chandler, the guy who wrote The Big Sleep. Oh, that's a great book. That is a great book. Um, yeah. I read that not too long ago, thinking, oh, I won't really like this, and I thoroughly loved it. It's fabulous. Yes, yes. I, I like a bit of Chandler as well. It sounds um, like Humphrey Bogart talking, you know, doesn't it? It's, it's got a, it was late, the night was sultry. Who was the other guy who played she, Philip Marlowe very she well? She looked good enough was... to eat, but he'd had dinner. Um, Mitchum, Mitchum played him as well, didn't he? How did Mitchum play him? Yeah, I can imagine yeah. him playing him in a slightly sleepy, slightly inebriated sort of way. Yeah. He always looked like that, didn't he? He probably looked like that. Yeah. Cold sober, first thing in the morning after a cup of tea. He always looked like he'd had a skinful, didn't he? He'd get offered a glass if he wandered over the green. He w- in fact, he'd probably take his own with him. He would. He would. I don't think he'd get across the green, ever. <laughs> he wouldn't get back. <laughs> he'd do you some damage with the cricket bat. <laughs> if he'd got his strength to pick it up, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, on to Spain. Oh, yes, let's get on to Spain. On to Spain, because you've just done two gigs in Spain. I have. I have, and and, and they were uh, transcendent, really. I mean, uh, after after Paris, I thought there were going to be a bit of a letdown. Uh, not because, only, only comparatively, because the Paris show was so lovely. The Paris audience was so lovely, and I, and I did play really well and sang well. Um, so that was quite something. I was a bit high when I came off stage, just from, you know, from it feeling like really special. And so going to Spain, I'd sort of psyched myself for it. Not, you know, it can't live up to that, can it? And Barcelona did. It was just amazing. Um, I think I said after. Did I say it last week that they talk about artists who can hold an audience in the palm of their hand? Well, I've got an audience that can hold me in the palm of their hand. And and I sometimes feel like that. And I had that in Paris and I had it again in Barcelona. The 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 love the love and the respect was just palpable. And everybody was you know, you could hear a pin drop in between my breaths almost, because everybody was so engaged in it. Um, it was a really lovely thing, and I'm glad I went. And so after Barcelona, I thought, oh, well, Madrid is probably going to be a step down. And it wasn't really. It was a great a great atmosphere as well. There was a bit of a bizarre thing happened when I turned up for sound check uh, to find a puppet show on stage in a room full of women. And children, and Phil Brown with his head in his hands. Um, That's not too unusual, though, is it? <laughs> Muttering northern expletives. That is the was... constant. That's the constant. It's the <laughs> that puppet a... show that's unusual. <laughs> I sat there thinking, well, it's half past six. I thought the sound check was late already, but there's a gig going on here. Uh, so I don't think I really got on stage and got a sound until about quarter past eight and the doors were open very shortly after that so that was a bit bizarre and a a little bit stressful fortunately I was well rehearsed and you know I've done quite a few of them now if if I was in that not done one for a while 
very clunky. I'm going to need to run a lot of stuff at soundcheck. If I was in that place, I would have been, you know, I'd have been stressed out, man. Mm. But I, I wasn't that stressed. I mean, obviously, there was a little bit WTF is going on. Mm-hmm. But, of course. Um, but, but I wasn't. Was it one of those a, disturbing uh, puppet shows? I didn't know his history. Some kids' bonds can be quite disturbing, can't they? Oh, well, it was just packing up as I oh, arrived. Right. Uh, but Phil did phone as he was driving across town to say, there's a fucking puppet show on stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I got there, they were packing up. But being Spanish, <laughs> they packed up in a very, very relaxed, methodical I'll do a bit and then I'll just gaze into space for a minute, mm. then I'll do a bit more mm. sort of fashion. No one was dying of heart failure, I tell you, in that building. No. Um, they were very relaxed. I think it. T- I watched a bloke put a hoop away and it took him about 12 minutes. Um, How do you pack a hoop? He, uh, well, bloody slowly if you're from Madrid. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> They ah, but cowboy- that's because it wasn't his job. He's not normally the hoop packer. <laughs> they had cowboy hats. People wandering around in cowboy hats and packing chaps back into boxes and things. <laughs> and then, and then when I finally got on stage to try and get a sound, uh, you know, I'd go and Phil had put the piano on stage double quick, and I'd plug my monitors in. I was trying to get a balance. Um, this woman was arrived and was looking under all the chairs for something that she'd forgotten. Um, And then having looked under them all, just sort of stood and stared for another 15 minutes in the hope that whatever she'd lost would miraculously appear out of nothingness. And then I did sort of stop and say, "Uh, excuse me, but if if I find anything, if we find anything, we'll make sure it goes it goes to the management, you know, we, we'll we'll keep it for you. And she spoke English, she said, oh, oh, thank you very much. And off she went. And then 10 minutes later, she came back with a small child. And they both stared at the same place for another 10 minutes that she'd already stared at for 15 minutes. Um, as though something was going to reappear if they willed it so for long enough. And uh, it didn't. And eventually they wandered off. But that was a bit, that was a bit strange. Just just trying to work with all this mad shit going on in front of you was a bit, you know. But I had a great gig. The audience mm-hmm. were terrific. Um, so Spain was great, if if a bit kind of WTF-ish from time to time. Uh, but that's that's just the Spanish, isn't it? That is, that's a fairly perfect example of the Spanish. Is it? Do you think? Oh, I think so. Well, it was, it was quite other. Yeah, it was quite other. I mean, very well intentioned, but a bit other, and and, um, and fairly chill as well. Very chill. Yeah, yeah. Not remotely German. No, you know there wasn't a kind of. There's no sense of urgency, is there? No, it is five o'clock. Therefore, this should be happening. This yeah. this room should be clear. This door should be locked. They're like a locked door. The Germans. You can you can never get through a door in Germany, you know, ever. Um, even even if even if it's your gig and you've been there since <laughs> nine a.m., you'll go and, and someone will come along and lock the door, and you'll have to go and find someone to unlock it again to let you through. Um, 
They do. I remember Privet Hedge, our old sound man, once saying, they're like a locked door, the Germans. And, I, and I've never forgotten it because it is true. <laughs> and we we did try, or there was a slight chance that we would have tried to have done a Spanish croon because I was I was over there and we nearly crossed. We nearly crossed, but you were back home by the time that you we, we managed to talk. Oh, that's right. Uh, I spoke to you and you said... Uh, I'm in Spain, and I said, what? What? <laughs> I've just got back. Where in Spain? Where were you in Spain? You told no, me. Estepona. Of course you were. Yeah, because if, if you'd have played somewhere down near Gibraltar, we'd have probably, uh, we'd have probably come along, you know, and heckled. Oh, that was it, yeah. Where, by, by Malaga, where all the posh boats are on the jet. Where all the posh boats are, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I don't I don't really like it round there. So that the Port Banus area with the big heart, with the port and all the the posh boats. I'm I'm not I'm not. not no, Estepona is yeah. far nicer. Yeah, far more Spanish. Port Banus, that was it. Yeah, that's it. Yes, it just reminds me of being on a bus because occasionally I've you know I've had I've had have had quite a relationship with Gibraltar because of Fabian Vinay and. Um, the the local newspaper there has always been very supportive, and I'm on the wall in the Rock Hotel mm. in between Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif, which is an amazing privilege. And well, it's a great place to be. Now that's a well, night out to the point of being bizarre. Oh, that is a night out. Yeah, it? you just need Ollie Reid and Keith Moon along with you. And, oh, oh, and what and what's his face? Um, the guys that did Macarthur Park. Oh, Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Yeah, you'd need, you'd need him along, obviously. Oh, you need Richard along. <laughs> and it would end up, you'd end up either in jail or in hospital or uh, in hospital on your way to jail. Have you ever seen a film called My Favourite Year with Peter O'Toole where he plays a character that is like Errol Flynn? Well, it is Errol Flynn, really. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, seen who's it. doing a TV special. He's a film star and he does this TV special in New York. No, no, I have right. But it sounds I will, like I will something I should send see. you. My favourite year. It is just off the charts good. You will love that if you like Peter O'Toole. Love him, Peter O'Toole. I mean, for a start, Peter O'Toole playing Errol Flynn. What can go wrong? No, <laughs> I mean, what? I wonder what the the process of making that movie was like. I bet that's oh. quite something. Well, the thing is, he he, he plays he plays Flynn as a uh, or this character as a drunk. So you can imagine, you know. <laughs> What it's what it's like, but it is just lovely. It's really really nice. You, it would work for you that. I'll 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 get a copy and send it to you. Um, uh, I hope you're not listening to anybody who who is policing these things. But I'll send you a copy. Watch that. And if you haven't seen My Favorite Year, anybody out there, search out a film called My Favorite Year. It's brilliant. Right, right. Back to Spain. Back to where we were. So yes, really lovely gigs. Slight. But now you're back in the Marillion vibe, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. Up to my eyes in it. Yeah, I went went sort of straight back into rehearsal with the boys. Uh, Louis Jardim joined us, uh, so we've had the the, uh, the entertaining presence of Lewis this week because he's a bit eccentric. <laughs> um, rummaging in his basket for a maraca. You know, during the quiet bits in songs, you just hear this rattling and rummaging. You go, what's he doing? Oh, he's trying to find the right tambourine, you know. And then, and then, oh, now he's decided that's not it, and he's 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 going to use a shaker instead. Um, but that's quite funny in rehearsal. 
and I've I've kind of been working with Lewis now for a while, and and I can feel that um, that thing that happens when you start, you know, when you've been around someone a long time, and you start to be. I don't know. You just lose the the you lose the sense of the, of privilege of mm. being with them, and I have to keep reminding myself who he is, and what he's done, and the incredible work, and what and what I've heard him do before my very ears in studios, and the fact that he is a total ninja. Um, before I'm I'm too hasty in uh, taking the piss over his rummaging. Um, I know it's all in a good cause, and I know that when he's finished rummaging, whatever he pulls out the basket will be exactly right. It might be far too loud in my ears, uh, or it might be inaudible. But if I can, if I can balance it, it'll sound divine because he is a ninja. But at the same time, being that really, really all over the place eccentric uncle, he is. Yeah, he's most definitely that. With the, with the dysfunctional bowels as well, which makes him even more erratic. Every, <laughs> every now and again, he goes, I have to go to the toilet, I'll be back in a minute. And uh, off he goes, you know, and you think, ooh, won't be a minute, will it? No, it might be half an hour. Um, but he's fantastic. He had, he, had he had some health issues with his, um, what was it? You know, a lot, lot, he, had, he, got, he got bowel cancer. Right. Uh, some years ago, and they fixed him, and they fixed him within, you know, within just a, within a, within a hair of needing one of those bags, and he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't have one of those bags. No, they managed stoma. to avoid, yeah, they man, they managed to avoid that, but it has left him with unpredictable below stairs. So uh, when he gets the urge, he he really has to go, um, which makes tour bus life a bit. Interesting for him. I don't think he'd mind me telling the world oh, this. It's a bit late now. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Blimey. Maybe I should check. How is that going to work moving forward? Because isn't Anne-Marie coming on the tour bus this time as well? <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yes, I wonder how her bowels are. <laughs> well, what are um, you about to find out? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope they don't sink with Lewis's. Could Sorry, be carnage. I've been around Anne-Marie for a while and I can assure the listeners that her bowels are functioning perfectly. That and photography are the two things she does really well. She's a genius. She's a bloody genius. She makes me look a stone thinner and 10 years younger on every photograph she takes and I don't know how she does it. No. Uh, But she sends me pictures and I go, well... That's not what stares back at me from the mirror. Uh, I don't know how she's done that. And and they're not touched, you know, they're not photoshopped or anything. She's just got a genius for catching catching a moment when the light's just hitting you right and mm. you know, in the in that in that fraction of a second that I look great uh, out of those two and a half hours. She she manages to grab it. <laughs> Oh, she must be very patient. <laughs> she's, she's a ninja, surrounded by them. And then she's she's capturing the tour, isn't she? She is. That yes. that, that warts and all tour capturing thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. 
I'm, yeah, I'm, she, I'm, I'm really looking forward to whatever comes she, out of that project. I hope she doesn't catch too many of Lewis's warts. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Oh, oh, oh mine. <laughs> you do need to remember who Lewis is and what he's and what he's done. Um, he's a legend. I, I can't, I, you know, and he's he's, cho- he's he's like he's almost chosen that that this is his not his last gig, but do you know what I mean. This is his. This is you know. This is all he got left that he wanted to do. Was well, playing with you five. He famously said, "You know, I said, are you sure you are you sure you want to do this? I mean, much as I." really was aching for him to do it on the last tour. I said, you sure you want to do this? It's going to mean sleeping on a bus. You know, and Christ, it's hard enough for me these days, but, you know, he's got a good, I think he's got a good 10 years on me mm. nearly. And I said, are you sure? I said, I said well, I'll kill you. And he said, what a way to go. Mm. And I'll never forget that. No. And he, yeah, he meant it. He didn't, he didn't even think about it. Mm. He's a he's a I've only met him a couple of times, but he is he's a champion, champion geezer. He is. He is. Um, he's, and everything he's I learn about him only makes me like him even more. Mm. But then I don't have to inhabit the space around the, the bathroom that he's just vacated. Nah, so but he do, he doesn't leave the bathroom in a state, to be fair. He's I'm, he's not he's not like that at all. I'm I'm being I'm being a bit my usual callous, horrible self. I'm a horrible human being. Anthony. You are. You are. You are. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, it's not a problem. And I'm just working on this assumption <laughs> this will all come to an end soon. And <laughs> I don't think I'm any better. I think we're perfectly matched. If I'm being, I honest. don't think you're any better. I think I think you lead me on to right. my worst to my worst areas. You <laughs> pull me into the dark. Right, I think you'd find your way there without me, but I'll I'll take that. I'm an accelerant. What can I say? You are. That's exactly what you are. <laughs> I'm like a small pot of paraffin <laughs> to, to, short, to your naked flame. Short the accelerant, you'll be known to me as. Oh. <laughs> oh, that'll end up being in an album at some point, won't it? That'll, that'll, that'll be written somewhere, and there'll be only <laughs> only me and the purples no, know what it means. No one'll understand it. Yeah. Should we go for a bit of diary? Well, let's. Let's go you, for a you're bit definitely of in Quebec, aren't you? I've, I've been trailed you being in Quebec about three or four times. I'm panicking. I don't know where. Where am I? Oh, no, I'm not in Mexico City. I'll just have a quick flip through. We've done all that. We've done all that. We've done all that. And I went, oh, then Manchester Academy. Did I do that? Must have done. Ellsbury Waterside. Have I got to Quebec? Well, I imagine well, you took a plane. Maybe I'm much further on than I thought I was. Have I been on the MSC Davina? Oh, we've done all have that. Have we? We're on Thursday the 10th of July in 2014. Oh, my Gideon. Oh, there I am. Yes, did well. I only got up briefly. I wonder if this was when... Uh, this wasn't when, when we did that festival, was it? I don't know, because I've not read it. You've recorded the 10th of July, so don't record it again because you sent me that, but we didn't need it. So we've already got oh, that. Really? So you, you're going to be reading the 11th, but people haven't heard, haven't heard the 10th yet. Okay, cool. So we did, But we're definitely in Quebec. Having, having told everybody for the last two episodes we were going there, we are definitely there now. <laughs> it's a good city. Um, I've never been, actually. Yeah, it's all right. It's the only walled city in the, on the North American continent. 
Mm. I happen to know. And I didn't dream like that. That's an actual... That's an actual that's fact. 98% fact. That's an... But on the subject of facts, Justin <laughs> Beanie did point out <laughs> that know. that thing that I'm you ready. said about the Royal Albert Hall actually didn't happen. Didn't happen. No, there we are, you see. <laughs> that was more of an 88% fact. <laughs> was it? <laughs> And what I loved was the fact that they actually apologised for pointing it out. <laughs> you started with, I'm not sure I ought to mention this, but you know what, that thing that you're talking about, it, it can't have happened. Yeah, yeah, no. That must have been the next one. I do get them mixed up, to be honest. I, yeah. I thought we'd always had the girls with us when we'd done the RAH, but apparently not. Apparently the, the first one was just the five of us, was it? Well, that's oh, what I'm. That's what I'm now thinking. But I, in my head, I've got. But then I think that's because you've told me it so many times that I'm now believing what you're telling me. What well, about blaming? Well, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. I also got got um, brought to heel because having used the example of well, Cream never played the Albert Hall. You know, Clapton only did it when he was da da da. It turned out Cream did play the Albert Hall in '68. Um, so, and I'd guess that that was a pure guess. I know they played it again um, because Mosley went in in relatively recent times. Yeah, the, yeah. About ten years. Yeah, they had a reunion, didn't they? Yeah, and Ian went to that. And I, th- I think he said it was great. Hmm. I think he did. But Ginger Baker was famously difficult. I mean, I mean, really famous. You shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but everyone I know who's met Ginger Baker is uh, is rolled out the sea bomb mm. for him and just said he's he was really not a nice person. Mm. That was probably one of those reunions that <coughs> everybody was wishing would end. One of those short lived ones. Like that mm. band I can't remember which band it was that did a reunion at the at the um it might have been, it might have been them. Did a reunion gig at the at the marquee. And I think that was Clapton. He asked Jack Bruce to turn the bass down a bit of the sound check. And he said, I can do better than that. And he put it down and went. And that was the end of it. <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> Taxi for Bruce. I can do better than that. <laughs> well, on that, let's go, let's go for a, a miracle. Miracle they got on stage at all, I think, the RAH. They must have been skint. Um, right. Here it comes. Thursday, 10th of July, Quebec. Did well, only got up briefly around five and slept till eightish. Hurrah! I have learned by now that it's the second and subsequent nights that are the tricky ones. FaceTimed home and chatted to Elle, who sounds well. Went down to breakfast and had scrambled eggs and bacon. The coffee was that iffy stuff you get in North America. Made a mental note to find better coffee. After breakfast I went to reception and was recommended a hairdresser so I could get the grey roots done once again. At some point I'm going to have to shave my head and go grey. Went out and got said roots painted by a nice chap called Philippe. Walked up the characterful Rue Saint-Jean and nearly bought shoes, but didn't bother. 
returned with a slight limp as the right knee continues to remind me it may be called right, but it ain't. Later was drawn to the sound of music coming from a stage in Place Duville. When I arrived there, I realised that this is where the Hotel and Theatre du Capitole is situated. This is the hotel with the theatre inside where we played on the Marbles tour when I wrecked my neck, had the end of tour drinks and ended up missing the flight to Hawaii. Nice place though. I ordered seafood linguine and sat in bright sunshine at a terrace table on the street reading The Hair with Amber Eyes by Edmund Duvall while a dub band sound checked in the square. Quite blissful. In the evening I went looking for a loudspeaker for my laptop so I could have a vibe going in my hotel room, but I never found one. Bumped into my old friend Kathleen Forcier, who'll be interviewing me tomorrow, along with Eric and Natalie, fans from Montreal who happened to be passing. So we all went for a beer outside on the street. Around 8.30, that's 1.30 in England, I could feel I'd had enough, so returned to the Hilton. I really should have stayed up till at least 10, but Man of Steel caved in and went to bed at 9pm. Friday, 11th of July, Quebec. Awake at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and got up at 8.30. FaceTimed home. Lynetta and Vibes were back from school and sounded well. Vibes didn't say much, but drew me a snowflake and a love message. Walked around Rue Saint-Jean again, and found a good coffee place where I bought cappuccino and chai tea. Returned to the hairdressers and bought Hippanema bracelet for Lynetta. She'd had her eye on one of these for Christmas, but having found them for sale yesterday at the hair salon, Christmas seemed destined to arrive early. Had Eggs Benedict in a cafe on the corner, before returning to the Hilton for my 11 o'clock appointment with Steve and Kath, who were to run me round to the Auberge Saint-Antoine Hotel, where I was to be interviewed. Very nice hotel. Macca stayed here recently. Interview was very relaxed. Jeff has been making a documentary about the fans for two years now, and wanted to have my thoughts. I've known Steve and Kath since the early 90s, so it was a coincidence that Jeff had met them through their children's sports clubs, and he'd asked Kath to conduct the interview. Steve and Kath dropped me back at the Hilton and invited me out for a spot of tea at five. Back at the Hilton around 1.30 to discover that Blondie will play here tonight at 7.30. I wondered if Clem Burke was staying at the Hilton. As I was staring up at a TV screen in the lobby, trying to find out who it was proudly welcoming to the Hilton, quote, we have had the pleasure of welcoming Alice Cooper, David Bowie, Elton John, etc., to see if Blondie were on the list, Clem emerged from the lift, said hello, and that I'd love to come over this evening and see his show. He said he'd arrange it, and that he was going to get some sleep. Texted Frenchie and asked him if he fancied a half. He did, so we met up in the lobby again, and bumped into Ian, who came along too, back to the Capitol. Sat in the sunshine, soaking up the atmosphere again, and when Phil Brown passed us, we shouted him over. At 3.30, Pete T and I were being picked up to go to a radio station, which turned out to be broadcasting from a pub on Saint-Jean, so Frenchie and I walked back. The interview was friendly and fun. We were interviewed by Michelle, who I immediately recognised. 
No wonder. He says he's seen us over 70 times. He turns up all over the world. Amazing. And such a considerate man. Always affectionate, but always respectful, and never in your face. Back to the Hilton, where Clem had left me a message on my room phone, saying he would go over to the gig at 6.15 if I cared to join him. Sweet of him to bother. I'm sure he must have a lot of other stuff on his mind. Back, yet again, to the Capitol Hotel Cafe for a quick Caesar salad with Steve and Kath, before rushing back for the 6.15 rendezvous with Clem. Steve and Kath tagged along, and the four of us bundled into a van to the backstage of Blondie's huge gig. Kath knows the festival well, and says there'll be 40,000 people out there tonight. Clem was very generous, and wandered around trying to organise passes for the three of us. What a host. We said a brief hi to Chris Stein and Lee Fox, before Clem invited us up to the stage when he went to check his kit. The stage was huge. I'm glad I'm not doing this one tonight with a bad leg. It'd be doubly frustrating not to be able to run around. Clem told us to help ourselves to beers from his dressing room. The dressing rooms were porter cabin things and they all had large signs on them saying Clement, much to Clem's amusement. I took a picture of him posing on the steps. After a while, Frenchy, Ian and just about all our crew, except Jens, turned up and we were all milling about as Debbie, Harry, Chris Stein and the boys appeared from their dressing rooms for the show. I wanted to get out of the way, but wasn't sure which direction to go to get out front. We made our way out to the VIP area as the band struck up. Debbie was singing well, and Clem played as only Clem can. Punky, powerful, splashy and tight at the same time, and for the song. They've written some killers. It was a great evening. Hung out for five minutes after their set with Clem and all our crew. Billy Joel was next up. I'd seen him wander past in a low-slung hat earlier backstage. But we all decided we needed to sleep, so returned to the hotel. In bed by half ten. Sent Clem a thanks email and attached the picture. A man and his washrooms. And we're back. I, I just found the energy for it. Then I'm obviously on the way up. You are actually. You've 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 peaked. Not peaked. You've you know you've perked. Um, I've perked slightly. Yeah, yeah. I started off a bit. Bit. You're on your way to a peak, I think. Yes. Yes. It'll take class A drugs to get me there. I suspect. But but yeah, at some point I'll I'll peak. It won't be today. <laughs> Are you looking forward to it? Am I looking forward to the tour? Mm. Well, not the yeah. Class A drugs, no. No, no, not that. I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to it. Um, I think I'm looking forward to the, that alternative reality because it is an alternative reality, very different to home life, much more selfish than home life because um, it has to be because you've, You've got this thing that this all-consuming thing that you have to do each mm. day, and on the days off, you've got this all-consuming thing that you've got to that you've got to rest to prepare for. So, so even the days you've got nothing to do, 
are kind of all consuming in the sense of of they're they're all about the show. Hmm. Even you know when you're thirty five, it's probably not that's probably not true. But when you're in your your mid to late sixties, you've really got to take this shit seriously and and not be irresponsible. So, um, staying up all hours drinking in bars and clubs is is really not an option at all. And and even even going out and trolling around a big city, um, wearing yourself out sightseeing on a on a day off, is something I think twice about. Because um, I've made that mistake in the past. I've, you know, I've, I've I've gone out and done sightseeing, had a really good look around a big city, and thoroughly enjoyed myself, and got back knackered, and then been tired for the show the next day. Um, so you, I, I'm, I'm well. You, I say you, but I, I, I take I I take what I do uh, very seriously, and I, I always want it to be excellent. And if it isn't excellent, well, it's not for the want of trying. No. So <clears throat> that's how I approach the live work. I mean, that's how I approach the recorded work as well. I'm never really happy. Uh, I just sort of get it as good as it can be. And uh, so the Marillion shows, I mean, the H Natural shows are terrifying because it's just me. But I am sat down and they are quite low sort of tempo. I mean, I'm screaming my head off for, for quite a lot of it. You can't really sing Afraid of Sunlight without screaming your head off. Um, but the Marillion shows are much more strenuous because they're at a different energy level entirely. Mm. And I just have to be in shape for them. And by that, I don't mean I've got to be down the gym working out. I just mean... I I don't have to be knackered or tired if I can avoid it. So that's the only downside. But, uh, you know, and being away is a downside as well. You know, be, being away from your family is a downside. But, but it's not too long this time. Um, it's only two and a half weeks. And you're going to some places that you, I guess, as a band like to go to. I mean, you're going to... You're going to uh, Strasbourg, you're going to Paris, you're going to Utrecht, a couple of t- dates in Utrecht. Um, you know, you've got you've got places there that you seem to gravitate to uh, back to, and and obviously, you know, audiences are great there. But you you must have you must have kind of happy places in in the cities you go into that you can just go and sit and you know drink a cappuccino and yes, watch I, the world I, go by. I'm a creature of habit, and I tend to gravitate towards the same spots. When I'm in, you know, when I'm in a certain city, there's a good chance I'll be in a certain cafe, um, <laughs> eating a certain meal. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing don't, wrong with that. That doesn't even change much. Um, yeah, but if you find the best croque monsieur you've ever had at a little place in Paris down the road from where the gig is, then why wouldn't you? You might yeah, not have been there for six months, so it's not like exactly, you're doing it every day. Exactly. So you naturally go back there, see if it's still the same, and. See, see if you can sit in the same window looking at the same street and all of yeah. that. That that's nice to do. So I tend to do that as a there's a little place in there's a hotel in Strasbourg called Le Petit Région. Le Petit Région. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. The the little regent. Um 
and um, that's down by the water next to a weir where the where the river runs through and i think it used to be some kind of pump house but it's now it's now quite a posh hotel um very rarely stay in it but there's um there's a cafe on the water out the back of it and um i'll go and find that almost certainly and sit and stare in space and have a bit of lunch or have a cup of coffee I will not sit in the dressing room with the ejaculating penises for four hours like the rest of the band probably will. I'll be out of there faster than a ferret down a pipe. <laughs> I've been thinking about today's episode and there is going to be no shortage of episode titles that have come out of today. Uh, well, let's not let's not use that awful phrase. No, we'll find something clean and wholesome. I think it's something nice. As as befits this particular production. What I never said was that when I... I have graffitied dressing rooms in the past. And my my stock graffiti is to, is to write Ronald Room Divider and the Flaky Pastry Aqueduct Band. Um, usually, just where the wall joins the ceiling, I'll, I'll, I'll get up on a ladder or stand on a chair and write that. Because I had a mate at school called John Beacock, and he used to make band names up. And one day he came in and said, what about Ronald Room Divider and the Flaky Pastry Aqueduct Band? And uh, we both giggled and giggled and giggled. And if I'm honest, I'm still giggling at that. I'm giggling about so- that. <laughs> a Flaky Pastry Aqueduct is just the best <laughs> yeah, thing absolutely. ever. Uh, and so I do occasionally write that on walls. And I did write that on the wall in the... Um, Hundred Club in Oxford Street. Uh, I got I got there, um, you know, in amongst all the punk rock bands, his Ronald Room Divider, um, and King Charles and Queen Camilla signed to that wall um, last year, I think. Mm. And they went there for some reason or other, and they signed the dressing room wall, which is hysterical, isn't it? I don't think he did. Uh, he didn't do the, um, you know, he didn't do the. No, no, no. The no. the thing I disapprove of. No, she might have done. <laughs> she probably thought, should I, shouldn't I? No, I better not. I better not. Better not. <laughs> I've not got my favourite pen. It'd be in the papers, darling, if I did. <laughs> <laughs> What's nice about your band name is that most normal people would have gone viaducts, but aqueducts, just that bit classier, isn't it? <laughs> I can't take the credit for it, but it's always stuck with me, and I, I occasionally scribble that on dressing room walls if I'm in the mood. Uh, sometimes I go around adding adding comments to other people's graffiti, <laughs> uh, which I did at Trading Boundaries when I was down there, because <laughs> Clem Burke had signed the wall, so I put "lovely bloke" and a little arrow, and then and then the uh, the bloke from uh, oh god, what's that man called? Uh, Hue and Cry, they'd signed it. So I put Serious Singer and a little arrow. So I, I just went around, you know, adding, adding my, um, my endorsements to the mm. characters who were on the wall. I don't suppose they know it was me, but it was. Right, right. Uh, final thing before we go, mm. um, and this is something that I knew about, but we, but but couldn't mention, but I think we can talk about now because a picture has been posted. 
Mm. Um, but you've recorded a Christmas tune and the cat is out of the bag as to what that Christmas tune is. Mm. Mm. Yes, it's I Believe in Father Christmas, the well-known Greg Lake tune with the bit of Prokofiev. That bit of, it's called Lieutenant Kije, that uh, theme um, from uh, something, some some musical thing that, that, a, that a genius, Russian genius wrote some time, mm. time ago, Siberian sleigh ride and all of that. But he just used the, um, the bit that everybody knows. Um, and Greg nicked it uh, for, um, do they know it's Christmas? And those words were written by Pete Sinfield. Um, if anyone's heard of Pete Sinfield. I've heard of Pete Sinfield. He was uh, sort of a bit famous in his own right back in mm-hmm. the 70s. And he wrote the words, and they're great words. Um, they're a little bit, you know, they're extremely prescient at the moment. It's about, you know, they said there'd be peace on earth. Um, but instead it just kept on raining. And, and, and ain't that the truth? Um Anyway, don't want to bring everybody down at Christmas, but it it turned out it turned out really well. Lucy's been banging on about us covering that for years, and I've gone no, 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 no. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, but I had another listen, and I thought, well, what's the reason I don't like it? And I don't know what the reason is that I don't like it. But I I thought there was a bit of room to make it a bit more reflective perhaps because it's a reflective lyric. So I thought it could do with a, a slightly lonelier and more reflective vocal performance, which of course Greg might have considered, but, but then he wouldn't have had a hit. So we weren't after having a hit, so I could be a bit more, uh, I could take a bit more of a purist view, I suppose. I think as well, if you think about the time that song came out, everything... Because you're right, it's got a little bit of a bouncy kind of Christmassy sound to it, which runs totally contrary to lyric. And the vocal is tracked up as well. Yeah. And the, the trouble with double tracking, and um, there might even be three tracks of his voice going on, it sort of takes takes a lot of the emotion out of mm. it. You can't... You, you hear it more as a tune mm. than as a statement. Um once you track things up, you know, they get poppier because they're smoother. Um, and I, I very, very rarely track my vocal. I hate the sound of it tracked. Um, so it's very unusual for me to double track a, a vocal. Well, I think everybody's going to be in for a treat. The the only way you can get it, just so everybody, you have to be, you have to subscribe to the web. Uh, you have to be a, a current subscriber. Uh, I don't know if you've still got a chance to, uh, to to get in, but I'm sure you probably have. Uh, and it's sent out because it's the disc that comes out free to everybody at, at the, the, the now, well, traditional Christmas disc, which I must be coming out 20 odd years now. It is. It is. You know, I think there's also a handful of live tracks on there as well, um, which I actually campaigned against uh, and lost the argument uh, because apparently we always do that. We always put some, we always put a, a slicer or a whole gig on there. 
as well um, as a as a sort of a treat for the fans. Um, but I th- we put so much care into uh, I believe in Father Christmas and it sounds great. I'm really pleased with how it's turned out, and I thought it was enough. Um, I thought, well, why do, why do we need anything else with it? But I was outvoted, and that's fine. Um, but perhaps that gives you an idea of how well I think it turned out. I think it would have been more than enough on its own. Mm. And did you, did I, you recorded a video for it? Tim did shoot a, yeah, he shot me singing it. He shot a straight performance to camera. And I think he's going to, I think he's still working on that. I think there was a plan at some point in the future to release it to Spotify or whatever, you know, Mm. to... Whether that happens, I don't know. But if it does, then there'd be no harm in having a little video for it. Yeah. But it's 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 something I've already sung to camera, but I don't think it, he's shot anything else yet. It's it's in in the it's in the oven. I think that's a great place. Great place to stop. Um so so we'll stop. Okie dokie. Um, and we'll reconvene next week. And I think the thing we were going to talk about today, which is uh, Friends from the Orchestra, will start on next week. Saying that, where will you be? I'll be in a hotel room somewhere. Um, where do we go after Strasbourg? I don't know. You you can have a look. You can tell me where I'm going to be. Uh, give me two seconds. So uh, what day are we on? You will be in Paris on Monday. Will I? Is that yes. a show day or a day off? Uh, that's a show day. So I'm guessing we might talk on Tuesday. Which will be... Where will I be by then? Well, you're en route to Utrecht. I'll be in Utrecht because we'll so you... go overnight. So I'll talk to you from Utrecht. Right. Well, in which case, then we'll talk Utrecht. We can talk about what's happening in Paris and uh, and maybe... Maybe, do you know what? Here's, here's an idea because everybody mm. will be around and you'll be chatting Ooh. to them. Um, if you get two things, just just... Ask a few people about friends from the orchestra and what they remember. Yes, I should. That's not that's not a bad shout, is it? In fact, I if anybody all... wants to jump on, if another another band member finds they you know want to oh, jump okay. on five minutes, yeah, if we're all in the hotel, perhaps that would make might be a thing we could do. I'll call her one of them. That's yeah, call one of them and just say, do you want to come and talk about friends from the orchestra a bit and what you remember? And if they all go, oh, no, I can't remember anything, then we'll. Then me and you will go. I can't remember. I can't remember. Well, I'll I'll go around the band and see see if if anybody lays claim to a clear memory <laughs> of it at all. Then then I'll see if I can press can because <laughs> no point no point having two of us with no idea, is it? <laughs> no, no. And you've you've nailed it. You've nailed the whole not having a clue and then just shamelessly making up anything that you think might be good content. So there's no point. we don't need a beginner. No. Not when we've got a pro. (laughs) Right, well, in which case, good luck, safe travels, and I'll talk to you from Utrecht. Okay, thank you very much. Take care, everybody. Have a good week. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you.
This has been an A Short Stories production.